The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Rudock all alone in the shotgun. They snap it to him, and he is on a draw. Rudock, head zone, touchdown! And the Iowa offense down the field again, and presumably going for two to try to tie this game. Six plays, 82 yards. Again, less than three minutes on the drive. And the Hawkeyes offense has made this a game. Fourth quarter, Badgers lead by two. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our weekly Reporters Notebook podcast, this week featuring Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' home loss to the Wisconsin Badgers, previews the Black Friday home game against Nebraska, and it talks Big Ten. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Nebraska's Bo Pelini. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, as well as KGYM's Tyler Chemeland. The Iowa-Wisconsin game highlights are courtesy of ABC ESPN2 with announcers Greg Fleming and Chris Spielman. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Friday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about quarterback Jake Rudock's play when the Hawkeyes have been behind and about his improvement over the course of this season. Well, I think he's really done a pretty good job of uh, doing whatever we ask him to do. And, you know, game circumstances certainly, you know, alter the way uh, you play. And uh, we were behind against Ball State and needed to move fast, and he did a great job there. And, you know, same thing in the, in the Maryland game. You know, we threw the ball more than we choose to. And Saturday, same thing. I'm. Mean, we're going to run out of time. You don't get a lot of possessions against that team. So I think he's done a great job, and uh, you know he's he's like a lot of players. You know he continues to improve as his career goes on. Yeah, he's just a better player, and uh, you know it's, it's usually again the formula for our best players. They they, they improve during their careers, but it, it only happens if they've got the right attitude and the right work ethic and the right mental toughness. And certainly Jake, I think, really excels in all those areas. He puts uh, puts a lot of time into his preparation. Takes great pride in it. Mental toughness is you know working through uh, just putting the work in that's necessary and. and He's got a lot on his plate outside of football. Certainly, carry the kind of GPA he does as a pre-med student, and and then also to to you know take the uh, endure the peaks and the valleys, and that's that's part of being an athlete or being a competitor. Is you got to go through the ups and downs and handle those. And uh, you know, he plays a position that attracts a little bit more attention and probably criticism than most positions. So it's I think it takes a, a special uh, or unique uh, individual to be be able to succeed at that spot. It's Senior Day Friday at Kinnick Stadium. The Hawkeyes have 16 seniors playing their last home game. One of those 
stars is Cavanti Martin Manley, who continues to climb the Iowa record books. Yeah, he's, he's uh, you know, the numbers back it up. He's really had a, a productive career here for us. He's got a great attitude and obviously good durability to, to, to play as much as he has played. And we got a group of 16 seniors that'll be playing their last game in Kinnick, which is always special. You know, he's certainly uh, at the forefront of that group, you know, just uh, through, he's played a lot, you know, over a long period of time. You go back to 11, the pick game right away. You know, his picture's up in the walls in the office, and that's pretty memorable. And that's, that's been a while now. So he's had a great career. Ferentz describes another senior playing his last game in Iowa City, running back Mark Wiseman. He's a great story, uh, first of all, uh, just his his route to get here and uh, then what he's done since he got here. And uh, part of that being that we had, we really had no idea or appreciation for what he would become his first year on campus. And uh, you know, he was a great guy, worked hard and really took care of business. But, you know, there's no way to forecast what was going to go take place. And after the first spring, we, we uh, were pretty confident we had a really good fullback on our hands. And then uh, the rest of the story on Weaved in uh, 2012. So to accomplish what he's accomplished already is, is fantastic. Hopefully he'll end up in the record books. He already has. I mean, he's, he's in pretty elite category in a lot of categories that are pretty significant. I think he's got a great future beyond college football. But the best part, he's just an unbelievably great young man. Uh, extremely quiet, extremely humble. But I don't know if we've had anybody work any harder and just do things right any better than he has. You know, people play with fullbacks in the NFL. You know, he, he is, he'd be a highly skilled fullback in my mind. And, and pretty good running back, but I think as a fullback, you know, he's a really unique talent that way. And there's a better market for that. There's only 32 teams in the NFL. There's probably a better market in pro football than there is in college football for fullbacks. Kirk was asked if he's warmed up to the idea of playing on Black Fridays. I, th- I think it's doable, uh, realistically doable. Whereas, you know, in the early part of the season, you need nine days to get ready for a game and they don't give you nine. So just that's how it feels. Whereas later in the year, you know, if you're if you're doing things efficiently, it probably forces you to be more efficient. And that's a good thing. On um, the other, other part is like, you know, you get to watch everybody sweat on Saturday when you're sitting there with your feet up. So that's not a bad deal. And Ferentz talks about the importance of winning trophy games. It's important to us. I mean, you know, we want them all, believe me. And uh, yeah, I mean, we lost another one Saturday, uh, an opportunity to get one. And winning conference games are real important for us. Uh, any trophy game, I mean, we, we got 12 games. They're, they're all really critical in our minds. And that's not, not diminishing what the trophy means. Uh, it's a lot better to have them in your, in your building. But it's, it's what a trophy stands for. That's what's really significant about it. And, you know, it could be a bucket of eggs. It really doesn't matter as long as you got it. That's, that's the whole thing. Next, we hear from Nebraska head coach Bo Pelini, who was asked what changes his team would try to make during the short week preparing for Iowa. Well, there's not a lot of, you can't drastically just overhaul everything that you're doing, but uh, what I mean is we uh, we didn't uh, we didn't approach it very well. We didn't play very well. We, we our, our level of execution was not nearly what it needs to be, and uh, I could sit here and get into specific things and talk about it, but uh, you know, I challenged our guys yesterday to, to get ourselves ready to play, and uh, Earned it during the week, and because uh, that's what it takes, you know. So obviously we didn't do that last week because we weren't. Uh, there were just some things on uh, that I watched on the film, and that the players saw on film that are hard to explain. So, so you know, we got a different offense this week, a different challenge, and uh, you know, our, our goal is to play better across the board, offensively, defensively, and on teams. Polini was asked about the emotional state of his team after back-to-back losses to Wisconsin and Minnesota that knocked them out of the Big Ten West hunt. Is it easy? No, it's never easy when you lose two games. 
but uh, I'm all, you know, I, I think that the short week might help you, help us a little bit. Get back to work. Stop the, you know, I told him yesterday, I said, you, you can't. There is no reason to feel sorry for ourselves. To feel sorry for yourself as a player, as a coach, anything else. You, you, number one, you don't have time. Number two, you know, we're responsible. It's not like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we didn't do what was required, not only on Saturday, but obviously during the week to, to get done to play to the level that we could have. And like I said, we, I still, you know, you look at the game, we had so many opportunities still to win the football game. But, you know, me as a coach, I, I'd feel the same way today had we won that game because uh, I still believe even if we were able to pull it out at the end or make a couple play here or play there, we didn't play the, we didn't play well. Polini was asked whether it's a coaching problem when players play hard but don't play well. Yeah, that's, uh, believe me. <laughs> you know what, I point, I point the thumb. I don't point the finger at, at the players. I'm responsible for this thing. And uh, that's just, that's that's how I'm wired. And uh, when we don't play well enough, it's on me. These kids are, that's just, that's that's my nature. That's how I look at it. And uh, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to do anything remotely like that. I'm here to serve these players in the best way I possibly can. And I'm going to keep coaching them as hard as I can. And and do everything I can to make this the best football team I can make it. That's all I know how to do. And uh, did I get that done on Saturday? No, obviously I didn't because we lost. Polini gives his assessment of Iowa's offense. I think they're a very balanced team. I, I, mean, I think they're very physical in how they come off the football. I think they do a lot of good things there. They, they run their play-action game. And the quarterback, uh, I think he's really improved. I think he can throw the ball, you know, make all the throws. And uh, I think their you know, running game opens up their passing game and vice versa. You know, they're, they're very balanced, so you got to be very balanced in, in, in how you defend them. You know, you've got to pick and choose. I mean, you, you know, how, how you're going to go about it. I, 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 I like our plan, but we got to execute it. I do like what we're, we're talking about doing against them. And I think they have certain principles and certain things that they, they like to do, both in the running game and passing game. And, and like any time you play an offense, you got to try to take away the things that uh, you know don't necessarily try to give them what they want. And Pelini talks about the focus on and improvement in his Nebraska special teams play. Well, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on it, and, and uh, I think it's been good for us. But, uh, you know, there's still, I mean, a lot of a lot of areas and ways we can get better even in, in, the, in the special teams area. And, you know, a lot of it is is really how we, you know, I think what we're doing is pretty good. we got to get better a lot of times at the, at the how, the little fine details. You know, it's hard in, in special teams to sometimes when you get out of, like, spring ball out of camp to get the necessary full speed look you know so I think we did I think the reason why we got better at it is because we did so much fundamental work even going back to last spring and through fall camp and and we've continued to to do some fundamental work as the season's gone on and I think just use you know certain periods and certain times of the week you know we like uh, during bye weeks and such to to really get back into the fundamental areas of that stuff because sometimes when you're in scout weeks or you're in game weeks it's hard to you you know it's kind of you get more scheme oriented and, and you don't want the fundamentals to suffer. I think our fundamentals have slipped a little bit here towards the end in, in that area, but uh, I think overall it's been pretty good. First and goal, Rudock hit as he throws. He's got that tight end, Doozy. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. Now the Badgers are wondering what has hit them here in the second half. The Iowa offense has been tremendous. Well, this is a team known for its ground attack. They have done it through the year, and Kinnick Stadium has come to life. Company back down by two.
How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Wisconsin game, previews Nebraska, reports on the Big Ten, and more. Steve, I was close 26-24 loss last Saturday to Wisconsin at Kinnick. Turned out to be one of the best games we've seen all year and probably considering the opposition the best game the Hawkeyes have played all season. Yeah, it certainly was a step in the right direction. This was a, a team that put it together when it uh, needed to. It came up a little short, and you know the, those little things that uh, the players talk about on a regular basis, particularly in the first half, came back to haunt the Hawkeyes. But uh, it, it was a good all-around effort and, and uh, a cohesive effort, which I think was uh, something this team really needed. Turning to Nebraska now, close out the regular season here in Iowa City. It's the annual battle on Black Friday for the Heroes Trophy. The Hawkeyes currently have that after last year's 38-17 win in Lincoln, and in fact, it's the only trophy they have left in their trophy case of the four trophy games. The Hawkeyes come into the game shooting for another eight-win season, and if they do win, they'll hold the Big Ten West third place all alone for whatever that's worth. Nebraska sits at 8-3. and three. It's Pelini's seventh year at Nebraska, and he's shooting for his seventh straight nine-win season, where for most schools, that would be good. Apparently, Nebraska fans and supporters aren't very pleased with it. The Cornhuskers lost to both Wisconsin and Minnesota, as has Iowa, and they beat Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue, as have the Hawkeyes. So, both teams are bowl eligible. They'll learn where they're going on December 7th. Nebraska leads the series overall and in Iowa City. Yeah, this is a Cornhuskers team that uh, two weeks ago, people were, were talking about as a potential Big Ten title game uh, qualifier and that kind of thing. And they certainly came unraveled very quickly up in Madison a couple of weeks ago. And then the Minnesota piled on last week with a, a strong second half surge uh, that really was an eye opener to a lot of people in Lincoln. And, and this is a, it's a talented Nebraska team. They've, they've been dealing with some injuries. Certainly not, they're not having the kind of finish to the year that they wanted. It's uh, kind of a, a wounded opponent of sorts. And, and they're, they're going to come in here uh, on, on Friday looking for, you know, win number nine and, and to quiet uh, you know to quiet the masses it's it's uh, been a very frustrating couple of weeks in, in Lincoln and that usually uh, it doesn't go over very well over there but uh, uh, it's a very talented team uh, some wonderful skill players and, and certainly uh, another big challenge for, for Iowa another X factor Friday for the Hawkeyes is senior day it's always an emotional day and, and there are 16 Hawkeye seniors who will play their final game in Kinnick Stadium including some standout who have made major contributions to the program. There's too many to mention, but I mean, it's people like Sheriff and Alston and Weissman and Trinka Passat and Bullock and Cavante Martin Manley. It'll be a very emotional day for them, and I suspect most of them will look forward to trying to put on terrific performances. 13 of those 16 guys are in the two deep. That tells you how valuable they've been to this team. You're right. Uh, in talking to a lot of those guys on Tuesday afternoon, one of the things that they brought up to, to a man was how important 
it was to them to walk away from Kinnick with a victory and, and to walk away with a chance to go to a bowl game and earn a ninth win, which would be one more than what Iowa, you know, had accomplished a year ago. And, and that's something that uh, that's where this guy, this group's focus is at right now. And I mean, they they they're coming off a very singing loss, a, a game that they invested an awful lot in. Uh, things didn't, didn't quite finish the way they hoped, but uh, the way the calendar worked, they had to, to flip the uh, the mindset pretty quickly. And, and it appears that this team will be ready to, to go on Friday and, and in pretty good health, uh, uh, with the exception of, of Henry Krieger-Koble, who uh, you know will be out for the season now. Kirk announced on Tuesday that, that uh, he had uh, shoulder surgery on, on Monday and uh, will uh, will be out until spring ball. But uh, beyond that, uh, he believes that everybody else is at least in a position where they will have a chance to take the field this week, which that's a good situation. It's, it's, it's uh, Especially for the seniors, you want to see them go out at, uh, at full strength. And, you know, one of, one of those question marks is probably uh, Trinka Posada, one of the defensive tackle spots, had an arm injury in that late in the game against Wisconsin. And, uh, a little questionable maybe, but uh, he apparently is going to try to give it a go this week. Let's focus a bit here on Iowa's defense versus Nebraska's offense. The Hawkeyes come in to this contest leading the Big Ten and pass defense in conference games only. Nebraska, on the flip side of that coin, is 10th in Big Ten and passing offense. The Hawkeyes have faced four of the nation's top 10 running backs. We saw enough of Melvin Gordon last week, but also Tevin Coleman, David Cobb, James Conner. All of those guys had really good games against Iowa's defense. Now here comes Amir Abdullah, who's 11th in the FBS at 128.9 yards per game average. Overall, the, the Hawkeyes are pretty strong in total defense, 332 yards per game, which is 21st nationally. The 13th fewest third downs in the FBS and the 8th fewest passing yards. Yeah, this, this is a, a Nebraska offense that, uh, you know, Abdullah, if healthy, would have been one of those top five type backs. Um, he, he carried for six yards in a game against Purdue when he uh, suffered a sprained MCL back in early November. They had a bye week. He has played the last two weeks, but he has not been 100%. I think he finished with around 68 yards against Wisconsin and then had 98 uh, last week against Minnesota. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys that certainly, uh, you know, was in that mix for uh, all-conference running back. But with the way things have played out and with the fact that he hasn't been uh, healthy the last few weeks, he's probably looking uh, from the outside looking in there. But uh, he's a gifted back and, and has some receiving abilities as well that they've put to use this year. And, and he's also an excellent return man. So I, I was going to be facing a, another very stout running attack. And it, it's something that uh, in talking with Clinton Alston on Tuesday, one of the things that he said is they ought to be used to it by now because it seems like every week they're facing some guy who's, who's in, you know, in the top four or five in the country in, in rushing. And, you know, there, there probably is some, some experience that's been gained there that should benefit Iowa as, as they move forward. Uh, now, Nebraska obviously has a, has a quarterback back in, in Tommy Armstrong who uh, w- was hurt last year. Iowa faced Ron Kellogg, who was a, a third or fourth string guy a year ago. And Armstrong is, is a little more of a threat to pass than maybe what, uh, you know, what uh, he, he would have been a year ago as a, as a lesser experienced guy. And uh, he, he's benefited from that. He Nebraska won't put it up in the air a ton, but they do have some talented receivers, although Kenny Bell uh, remains questionable for, for Friday's game with, with a head injury that he suffered early in the Minnesota game. So uh, they, they've got some issues, and, and but they've also got an, an awful lot of skilled players working behind a, a line that's been kind of hit and miss at times offensively, and, uh, and that's kind of slowed Nebraska at times this year. But uh, uh, this is a potentially uh, uh, an offense that can put some points on the board if Iowa's defense 
offenses and come ready to play. Nebraska is averaging 453.8 yards per game in total offense. And as you said, they rely more on the run than the pass. They're averaging over 37 points per game overall in scoring. Back to Abdullah for a minute. In spite of that knee injury that he suffered in their game against Purdue, he's surpassed 1,000 yards rushing for the third straight season. He has 1,417 yards on the season. He's second in the FBS in rushing yards and first in all-purpose yards. Tommy Armstrong's the kind of option quarterback that has often given Iowa's defense fits, not just this year, but in the recent past as well. Yeah, no question. He, he's running for a little bit over five yards of carry, and, and he's a, a threat to carry it, and uh, not unlike uh, Brown from Maryland, who gave Iowa some issues, and, and uh, you know, to a, to a degree, uh, he's a different type of, uh, from a size standpoint, he's a little different, but uh, you know, Mitch Widener in Minnesota gave Iowa some issues as well, so uh, this is a, you know, a, a situation where uh, they're going to have to be aware of, of, of Armstrong as well as Abdullah, and, and, and as well as, uh, you know, uh, some of their younger backs, uh, Cross and, and, and Newby as well, are, are very capable individuals, and, and so the um, the Hawkeyes have the work cut out for them defensively again this week. The Bell injury could be very significant. It would certainly hurt Nebraska's passing games. They had uh, Jordan Westerkamp's probably their number two wide receiver, was also injured in that Minnesota game, but Pelini on Monday said he'd be back. And then they've got a true freshman wideout named DeMornay Pearson L, who's also a terrific punt returner. Yeah, no question. He's kind of the next guy in that progression. Uh, Bell has, has rewritten all of Nebraska's receiving records, and, and uh, Westerkamp has had a has actually had more receptions this year than than, than Bell. So, but uh, yeah, Pearson L is kind of the, the guy in waiting, and, and uh, his role has kind of grown from week to week, and, and he's been learning on on the one. I mean, he's had a he's had a fumble or two along the way that uh, that he is uh, that has been costly at times. But it's a situation where he feels like he's he's growing and kind of learning from his mistakes, and and uh, they've given him the opportunity to uh, to learn from those mistakes. Uh, he's been a fairly dependable receiver from them, and uh, I'm sure with Bell, you know, I would say probably likely out this week. Uh, I, I think his role will probably be expanded against Iowa. And you'd look for Iowa's defensive backfield to probably cheat up a bit to try to help contain the both the option game and, and Abdullah in the backfield, and that would leave uh, Nebraska's wideouts in man coverage probably pretty much most of the game. Yeah, I, I think that probably makes some sense, and I think that, uh, you know, Nebraska certainly has the quickness in, in personnel to uh, to give Iowa some issues if, if, uh, if that does play out. Flipping over now, let's talk about Iowa's offense versus Nebraska's defense. Nebraska's defense is generally very good. It is once again this season, but it was gouged really big time at Wisconsin, and it allowed Minnesota to come from two touchdowns behind last week in Lincoln. So they have shown vulnerability when offenses can get rolling. Uh, particularly against the run as of late. They, they've really struggled to, uh, to slow uh, zone reads, and, and that was an issue last week against uh, uh, against Minnesota. Wisconsin, uh, you know, burnt them with Melvin Gordon uh, piling up, I think it was 581 yards, and uh, Minnesota, I think, you know, they, they uh, buckled down and held Minnesota to 281 on the ground, which is a pretty similar number to what Minnesota managed against the Hawkeyes earlier uh, this month. So, yeah, I think it, it looks like these are kind of mirror images in some ways, but uh, the, the, it's a uh, it's a defense that is uh, it's fairly young up front. They have a couple of 300-pounders at, at the tackle spots, both sophomores who, who have extremely bright future ahead of them. Uh, they have one of the more active players in the Big Ten in, in Randy Gregory at one of the end spots who, who is uh, a half 
havoc creator and uh, has a reputation for creating fumbles and, and just making a nuisance of himself from a sack and tackle from a loss perspective. And this is a it's a it's a black shirt defense that has kind of been uh, you know ripped apart the last couple of weeks by opponents. And I would suspect we'll see a fairly spirited effort from them um, Friday. Iowa's pass offense is ranked second in the Big Ten right now as we close out the regular season. They're averaging 251.1 yards per game passing. Now, Nebraska's pass defense is one of the best in the country. They're only giving up 193.2 yards per game passing. They're allowing opposing quarterbacks to only complete 47% of their passes, and there have only been 10 touchdown passes thrown against them, and Nebraska's defense has 11 interceptions. It's, uh, yeah, it, it will be another challenge. There's no question about it. I, I think one of the things that we've seen from, from Iowa's offense is, is a uh, some consistency. I mean, we've seen, as you watch Jake Rudock progress from, from uh, a year ago to this point, uh, you know, the number of, of uh, mistakes that he's made. He has four interceptions on the season this year. That's a significant drop from, from where he was a year ago, and that was one of the points of emphasis they had with him. And that's allowed him to, uh, you know, to really probably hold on to his job as, as stringently as he has. And it's, uh, it's a type of, uh, you know, consistency that the coaches are looking for and, and uh, you know, the precision in which he uh, developed, delivered the, the football last week against Wisconsin is certainly something that uh, bodes well for the future if he, if he can sustain that type of uh, uh, situation uh, where, where he is, uh, you know, delivering at a 64-65% clip. Uh, that bodes well for an offense that has uh, really been one of the most productive that Iowa's had in almost a decade. Nebraska's defense has also been very good limiting third-down conversions, allowing only 28% of those on the season, and Iowa's offense has been pretty good in doing so. The Hawkeyes have also scored 30 or more points in four Big Ten games for the first time since 2005 and came close to doing that against Wisconsin, which came into that game last Saturday with the nation's top defense. Yeah, they put more yards up on the board against Wisconsin than any team has this season, and, and that's, uh, that's a sign of growth. And uh, You know, the one thing, it, it started with a little bit of success on the ground, not a ton, because Wisconsin isn't going to give you much, but Iowa did manage to uh, uh, to average almost half a yard more per carry than, than what Wisconsin had been allowing on average this season. You know, that, that doesn't sound like much on the surface, but it, it's a fairly significant uh, thing to accomplish in terms of giving your giving your offense a chance to work. And I really felt like that did a solid job of kind of opening the, the passing lanes a little bit for uh, Rudolph to get off to that 10 or 14 start that he had in the first half and, and followed it up with, uh, you know, some success with the deep ball as, as the game progressed when Wisconsin didn't slip into more zone coverage as opposed to man coverage that uh, it was struggling with in the first half. The last two weeks, Iowa's offense has been incredibly productive. Now, granted, one of those games was Illinois, although the Illini held Penn State last week to only 14 points and won that game against the Nittany Lions. But between Illinois and the Wisconsin games, Iowa's offense had a total yardage of 999 yards. It's been a, probably a long time since you saw back-to-back games from any Iowa offense since Ferentz has been here against non-pushover teams. It's certainly in Big Ten conference play. Yeah, there, there's no question. It, it's been a you know it's been a steady progression. This has been a fairly productive offense as it has developed. I know it's been a frustrating offense at times for folks. The points uh, haven't always been there, and there have been some issues in terms of continued really issues in terms of being able to produce in the red zone. But uh, this is a team that when it got there last week, four times it got into the red zone last week, and it, it put points on the board four times against a defense that had not been allowing much work in, 
success in the red zone. So there's some progress there, and I think it's uh, you know it starts with uh, some development up front on the on the line. I think there's been steady growth there, and I think that uh, as, as you look at the collection of running backs and certainly the return of a healthy Jordan Canzari has helped Iowa immensely to complement uh, you know what they have in Wiseman, and it just adds another you know another tool to the toolbox. And and uh, the more that people have, the more that Iowa's been able to spread the ball around, whether that be the running backs or, or to a number of guys in receiving situations, whether they be receivers or backs or tight ends, uh, the better off this Iowa offense has been. They've also shown a really good ability this year to come from behind. And last week in particular, even though they came up just short, in the second half especially, Rudock looked downfield constantly, and they threw a lot more vertical passes. And that's something a lot of fans have been asking for for a long time. And, and they were connecting uh, on those passes. I think uh, in the past, what we've seen a little bit is maybe you know one or two little things have been off, whether it be a receiver not where he needed to be, or, or uh, you know perhaps uh, protection not being what it needed to be. But uh, certainly, uh, once Iowa fell behind 19 to three in that game, uh, the first and foremost uh, plan was to find a way to move the ball downfield and move it there quickly, and and that included a uh, you know more frequent long passes, a more uh, you know earlier in in series and, and on first down situations and it, it certainly worked to Iowa's benefit and it also showed that uh, there has been some growth within the structure of this offense uh, uh, and, and some trust developing between quarterback receivers and, and, and the folks calling those plays. A lot of fans still appear to be pining for the strong arm of uh, C.J. Beathard as opposed to Jake and there was a lot of social media discussion during the first half last week against the Badgers when the offense wasn't clicking but Jake Rudock in the last two games has put up terrific stats and now has 32 career passing touchdowns, which is the eighth most in Iowa history. He's passed for over 4,500 yards in his career. It's one of only 10 quarterbacks in Iowa history to do this. You mentioned the fact he's completing 64.2% of his passes. He's got 14 passing touchdowns this year against only four INTs. Those are pretty impressive numbers, and I think a lot of schools in the country would be very happy with quarterback stats like that. There's no question a lot of folks would be. And uh, yeah, the, the, those four interceptions are the fewest by any starter in the Big Ten. So people who have been quick to criticize Jake, uh, you know, really need to kind of step back a little bit and take a look at what he's accomplished. Take, you know, whoever's behind him out of the, out of the equation and simply look at, at what he's doing right now in terms of running this offense and why, where he was a year ago at this time. And what you'll see is a, is a much more poised quarterback, a much more confident quarterback, and, you know, somebody who's, who's, who's uh, still a work in progress. There's still certainly room for growth, but a guy who's making strides in the right direction. After this break, Steve continues our Nebraska deep dive, talks Big Ten, and the college football playoffs. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and you can make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes 
Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Let's close out here on the Iowa's offense by talking a bit more about the two seniors that'll be playing their last game, Mark Wiseman and and Cavante Martin-Manley. Wiseman now has more than 2,500 rushing yards, 30 career rushing TDs. This is from a walk on fullback. Yeah, it's it's the third most uh, in terms of a a career for for a Hawkeye running back period. So it's one of those things that uh, Mark Wiseman has had a very productive uh, career. He's been healthy, which certainly helped this year. Uh, he, He enters game 12 feeling as healthy as he, he has ever felt at this point in the season. And I think that goes back to how he was used and utilized maybe a little less than what people anticipated back in early September. And the, the payoff comes now when you can put him in the, in the fourth quarter against a Wisconsin or, or this week against a Nebraska and, and have him at, at, you know, relatively solid, strong health for this time of year and, and feeling like he has fresh legs uh, as opposed to maybe a year ago when he went to Lincoln coming off of an injury and, and and, um, you know, not feeling quite as strong. He's been a very durable back for Iowa. And, um, you know, his, his legacy will be that, uh, that he was he gave it what he had. And, and whether or not he uh, finds his way past Cedric Shaw and, and, and Tavian Banks on, on, on the top of those touchdowns, on that top of that touchdown start list remains to be seen. But uh, he, he's certainly up there in that ilk in terms of what he's produced over time. And wide receiver Cavante Martin Manley's one of my favorite players to watch this season just because he time in and time out out, makes big plays, comes up with big catches. He's just nine receptions away from breaking Iowa's all-time receptions record. He continues to be Rudock's favorite target, and that touchdown pass he caught for Iowa's first TD against Wisconsin was just another example of um, how how good he is. He's a very steady contributor. He really has, he's been, been in a situation where he's been asked to maybe uh, play a little bit of a different role this year in terms of being kind of that, that underneath guy that, uh, you know, can be the be the option when when the deep guys are covered and and he's performed it well. He, he's helped move the chains. Uh, a number of his receptions this season, the vast majority of them, have been in third down situations or touchdown uh, situations that uh, he's either gained the first down or, or scored on the play. And it's it's something that you need uh, you need somebody like that around. And, and he's delivered and and he'll be missed. He, he's one of those guys that uh, that provided some consistency in in this offense that uh, has helped Iowa and. And he's been healthy. This will be his, uh, you know, his 50th game in, a, in an Iowa uniform this week. And, and there aren't a lot of guys out there that can say that. He, he's been very durable over time as well. Special teams play will be important again this week. We do know for sure it's going to be cold. We don't know what the wind will be. Marshall Kane continues to lead the Big Ten and is third nationally in touchback percentage. He's perfect on his PATs, 10 of 14 on field goals. But once again, the Hawkeyes are going to face another punting game from their opponent that is has been quite exceptional. Polini said before the season started, special teams are going to be a focus for Nebraska this year, and, they, and they've certainly been able to make strides in their punting game. Excellent punter in Sam Foltz, almost 42 yards per punt. And we already talked a bit about their true freshman, DeMornay Pearson L., who's first in the Big Ten and, and fourth nationally in punt returns. 
And you've got a duel of returning kicks. So, yeah, Nebraska certainly is, is uh, it's one of the better special teams collectively, one of the better special teams groups that Iowa will face this season. It's a segment of the game that they, they have concentrated on as a way to position themselves for, for success, particularly in close games. And uh, they've got a couple of, uh, of lightning guys uh, returning balls, whether it be kicks or punts, that uh, have the potential to take it to the house. And it's, it's a game where Iowa's going to have to be on top of its game there. The punting uh, situation continues to be somewhat problematic for Iowa. You know, whatever they can get there and limit damage uh, is as important as anything, whether it be just the distance of a punt or simply not allowing it to be returned. I think it, it can benefit Iowa. So it's time for your prediction. This is a game that's important in a couple of respects, bowl slotting, as well as momentum, I think, for the program. So how do you think this goes on Friday? Yeah, I think Iowa has a, a solid shot to come away with a win this week. I, I think that Nebraska is, is kind of back on its heels or dangerous, but I, I do think that if Iowa can run the football on Nebraska, you know, they don't necessarily have to pile up 581 yards like Wisconsin did, but you know, if they can run the ball effectively, which will open the pass, I think that that's certainly going to help the Hawkeyes. You know, I see this as being kind of a, you know, maybe a 24-21 kind of game. I think it's going to be fairly close. I think Nebraska has a lot to play for as well, you know, just to, to quiet some of the natives west of the Missouri River. I think that that would probably uh, be their motivation this week. And the Hawkeyes talked to a man about, you know, one wanting to get to eight wins, in part to give themselves uh, give themselves a chance to, to get to nine in a bowl game, which would represent a step ahead of, of where last year's team was at. And uh, that's important to the senior group. And I, I would expect a pretty emotional uh, effort from a fairly large group of, of senior contributors who, who will make a, uh, you know, make a difference in, in their final game at Kinnick. Closing out, as we usually do, talk a little bit about the Big Ten and the college football playoffs. Ohio State locked up its berth as the representative from the Big Ten East last week. Wisconsin and Minnesota will duke it out in Madison for the West slot. If you would have asked me how good I thought Minnesota really was the week before they played Iowa, I would have said, ah, they're probably okay. But uh, they, they've really shown a lot against the Hawkeyes and certainly showed well in their performance against Nebraska last week in Lincoln. We're still probably talking Ohio State as the only Big Ten team with a realistic chance to get into that four-team playoff, and even that might be a little dicey. Yeah, Ohio State's going to have to really put a, a pretty good lumping on, on Michigan on Saturday, I think, and then and then repeat that following week. They, they have to have some noticeable efforts the last couple of weeks here. Uh, uh, their game against Indiana was way too close at halftime and, and, and fairly uneventful, and the and, uh, score was maybe a little more lopsided than what took place on the field. And that probably is not helping the eye test there. And yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I think that, um, you know, Ohio State has a chance, but they're certainly going to have to have probably some help. It may take a loss by, uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the uh, SEC teams or, or, you know, a Florida State losing out in, at some point here along the way. But uh, something strange is probably going to have to happen. But uh, it's a good Buckeyes team. There's no question about it. Michigan, I, I think will be shopping for a coach here very soon and I think that uh, I don't look for Urban Meyer to take uh, to take much pity on the folks up north. The Big Ten has nine bowl eligible teams. They're going to have ten at least because both Illinois and Northwestern are sitting on five wins. They play each other. Whoever wins that game becomes bowl eligible. The only other team that has a shot at bowl eligibility is Michigan and as you just mentioned that would probably be one of the biggest upsets of the year for the Wolverines to go down to Columbus and win in the 
the horseshoe. It, it certainly would. I, you know, it's not totally outside the realm of possibility, but I think it probably is outside the realm of reality. Uh, this just hasn't been a very good Michigan team this year, and, and uh, Ohio State still has an awful lot to play for at this point. Came in, in Evanston between uh, Illinois and, and Northwestern. Trevor Simeon is out now at quarterback for Northwestern for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. So they'll be they'll be sending a first-time starter onto the field against an Illinois team that now has three quarterbacks available. Uh, he's coming in off a win over Penn State. But, uh, uh, you know, I feel like the, uh, the the skill level of the Northwestern defense and the propensity for, for creating turnovers and, and short fields, I think, can, can certainly help Northwestern. But I don't look for a very pretty game in Evanston on Saturday. And, and that may give Illinois actually a shot. But uh, these are two teams that uh, both could benefit from an extra month worth of practice because they aren't very good right now. This is our last Reporter's Notebook show of the regular season. We'll have one for a bowl game, likely bowl game anyway, for the Hawkeyes. Certainly want to thank you and Scott Docterman for doing the shows all season and wish all of our listeners and you as well happy Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, it's certainly been a, it's been an interesting ride this season with Iowa. There's no question about that. They've been up and down and, uh, you know, as we as we head towards the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, you know, I hope everyone who's, who's listened in has enjoyed the uh, enjoyed the ride as much as we have because it's certainly been a uh, one of the more intriguing years in Iowa football history and as it continues, there's still two more games to go and uh, certainly, uh, you know, a happy Thanksgiving to, to everyone. What exactly did you have in mind, Mr. Carlson? <laughs> what do you suppose he's up to? And I think I hear something now. Something just came out of the back. Perhaps a skydiver. No parachutes yet. Oh my God, they're turkeys. Turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Thanks for that on-the-spot report, class. I thought it would work. It's pretty strange after that. I really don't know how to describe it. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Gary Anderson comes on the road and has to gut it out. But the Badgers will get it done. A major road victory for Gary Anderson and Wisconsin against a game Iowa Hawkeyes team. And that sets up that matchup next week in Madison for the chance to play for the Big Ten Championship. So the final score, 26-24. The Badgers get the job done. Our thanks again to ABC ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast and that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.